Hello everybody and welcome to my podcast which is called Girl with the Camera. In this episode I'm having a really special guest. It's a film producer, it's a filmmaker, it's a director, it's a DOP, director of photography, it's actually a drummer and million other things. And we are going to talk about so many different things, but definitely filmmaking. What is the biggest mistake Elliot has ever done? Biggest mistake he's ever made. And trust me, um, even though he's award-winning filmmaker, you will be surprised. Um, so keep listening. And not to mention, we're going to cover how to actually get funds for your films. And... Who is a true leader on the set and how to basically lead by an example. Many, many more tips and advice from someone who is so busy, but yet I'm so glad Elliot Mannerin, that's his name, found the time to do this interview with me. Um, so yeah, let's get to it. Filmmaker, writer, drummer, friend to all, slave to a raven, <laughs> fan of whiskey, and from all those, if you could pick one thing that describes you the most, which one would it be? <laughs> oh, that's a toughie, isn't it? It really is a toughie. Yeah, I can't really say on camera that I'm a fan of whiskey, that'd be missing to activism, so I guess filmmaker would have to be my core, yeah. Can you just tell me, like, your journey? So. It was always your dream when you were a kid or kind of like developed um, because of your parents, family or entirely different? So my route was not conventional. Actually, I wanted to be a vet when I was, was a kid, So, um, but I wasn't academically good enough. <laughs> so um, I soon kind of shelved that idea. Um, so I fell into the industry. I took a job when I was, I just left school, I finished my A-levels, I got accepted to go to university to do um, languages and economics and music, and at the last second I decided not to do that, um, and decided to go and take um, a one-month contract over Christmas as an office temp, and that was for a publisher, um, so I was doing kind of really basic office things like copying CDs, if, if people remember what they are, and DVDs, old school media, I managed to get this job. It was in publishing, but it was in their audio studio. So they did a lot of audio and video production and they just kept renewing the contract. So I started off for a, as a month and um, I ended up staying there for nearly 10 years. Wow. So basically I did all the jobs from a runner, production assistant, uh, producer, uh, studio manager. Then I moved into video and started off as a, a junior editor. Uh, worked with Avid and then became a producer and then a director and then after that um, I jumped ship. Well, I, I, I didn't jump ship, I got pushed. I got made redundant from the company and I set up my own production company. So yeah, I kind of stumbled into the industry but I think sometimes that's quite nice, you know, because I had no preconceptions of what it was and it was all about on-the-job learning. Um, so going at the start, working hard, making yourself indispensable, you know, and having a, a genuine curiosity to learn means that there were so many avenues to go through, you know. I want to ask you what position you enjoy the most, like being a director or DOP or...? 
producer or whatever? Yeah, I mean, depends on the project. At the moment, I'm producing um, a lot of animations for an American company, and it's not my skill set. So I don't particularly like this. I'm not you know, buzzed about that job. Whereas I have produced things before, and I've had such a great time, you know. I think it depends on the project. So I'm working on a project at the moment where I'm going to be the DOP, and it's already, I'm really excited about it because it's, you know, it's a creative role. You're allowed to be free and suggest things. It's a really fluid environment. But then I also love editing because that's my background really into the film world. You know, some days I can get lost 14 hours a day editing something and not feel like I've lost time at all. You know, you're totally in the zone. It's just you and the narrative and you're allowed to kind of cut it at how you see fit. So, you know, that's the beauty of modern filmmaker. There are so many options now. There's so many different jobs we're all doing and we can just pick and choose the bits that, you know, we like the best. And, you know, we don't always have the, the beauty project. We don't always have the best projects, but we wouldn't be in the industry if, you know, we had to have it our way all the time. Nice. And right, so when you're DOP, for example, you have a lot of freedom, but still the director, yeah. you have to listen to them and work with them. So do you like being the director and have the full control or? For me, when I'm directing stuff, um, I love being surrounded by people that know their, their stuff because it takes all the stress out of it. I, I'm not a massive control in person. Um, so I love input from everybody, you know, even if the sound guy has says, you know, would it be better if we did it this way? I'll definitely listen to that, you know, a hundred percent because you sometimes you can get so in the in the weeds with things. You're so kind of focused on the script, the delivery, you know, get the performance where, you know, sometimes you, you don't see everything. And I think you've got people around that feel comfortable to say, have you thought about it this way? hundred percent on board for that, you know, so for me, when I'm directing, I just love to have people that are confident to speak up and suggest things and feel that, that they have a say on the input. You know, they're not always going to, you know, the director says, the director will say it once, so they'll have their way in the end, their heads on the chopping block. Um, but I think surrounding yourself with good people as a director makes the job so much easier, so much more fun, definitely. I agree, 100%. Um, so basically, if you could give advice to aspiring filmmaker and especially, let's say, DOP, what would be... Make, we can get specific if you want, but kind of like what camera maybe they should start with. Because I know that if you want to become a director or go into the filmmaking, basically you can use your phone and try to do it this way, first learn how to storytell. But if we go like one step further to like really do this, Obviously, you need equipment, you need the knowledge of the equipment. So, is there anything like um, you have to go to film school or the training or just you can just buy it and learn it yourself? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's all down to the person. Um, I think I never went to film school, but I know a lot of people who have. I know a lot of people have really benefited from film school and I know a lot of people that haven't. So, I think it all depends on your the way you learn, the way you interact with other people. But I think... One of the, the paradoxes of filmmaking at the moment in terms of learning is the internet. I think a lot of people will spend too much time focusing on the internet, watching other people's stuff, you know, reading up about cameras and getting kind of 
bogged down in that kind of thing. And gear envy can be the killer of creativity. I, I really believe that. I think the best equipment you have to make a film is the one you already own. Of course, we'd all like to have our own Aries or our own T5 lights, but the reality is no, most people don't, you know? Um, so I think it's getting that blend of looking at other filmmakers, seeing what they're doing, what bits of their work do you like, which bits don't you like? Because sometimes it's good to know what you don't like, you know? We all have, we'll form our own style, but the way to form that is to make stuff, plain and simple. And be prepared for your first thing to be garbage. It always is, like, you know, it, this is not nothing, this is nothing new. Even, you know, Romero, he says, you know, his first thing was absolute tosh. And that's fine, and that's cool, and you should embrace that, because that's the past, and you learn from it, and you make better stuff. And you gradually make better and better stuff, because you've learned how the process works. The worst thing is sitting there and thinking, I can't do it, because it's probably going to be rubbish. I think that's a real shame, because there's so many talented people out there that will never get their stuff made because of, of fear of what others think. You know, it doesn't matter if you're J.J. Abrahams, people still hate Star Wars because of what he did to it. <laughs> it doesn't matter what you do, you know, there are always going to be haters, but there are always going to be people that like it. And I think you just have to, you know, take criticism from people that you believe deserve to critique, you know. You know, don't take criticism for someone you wouldn't ask advice from, I think. I think that's really important. And find other people. Find other like-minded people that you can make a, a circle and network with and just make stuff, you know. Goes back to those days when people were making BMX videos and skateboard videos with their GoPros when it first came out. You know, that's a really collaborative way of making stuff and enjoying people's skills and finding out what you like about filmmaking. Some people love camera work, you know, because it doesn't really involve blocking or it doesn't involve screenwriting. It's just you there with the camera, you're capturing it. Whereas some people absolutely hate holding a the camera. They can't get a good shot to save their life. And you can't put square pegs around holes. You have to find out what you like and what you don't like. And if you have a small team, you all come up with a project, you all buy into it, then you can share the mode. You know, one day you can have a go at recording sound, you know, or, you know, the producer's going to step in and, and help set the lights up because you haven't got the DOP, you know, and you share the load. And then at the end of it, when you've created something, you can look back and think, wow, we did that. You know, we came together, we brought all our experiences together, we made this really cool thing. And then probably a year later, you'll look at it and think, well, that was a lot of rubbish. But you're a year on now, and you've got so many more skills, more experience points, and it's all about that collaborative learning. You know, no one stops learning. No one ever completes filmmaking, you know. Even the best are still learning new, you know, new skills, working with new technologies. So it's about embracing that and preparing to fail and finding good people, definitely. And just getting out there and making stuff, even if it's on your phone, you know. I think everybody, you know, every filmmaker will say the same thing. Um, keep out of the whole camera, you know, what's good, what's not. Just get a camera. You'll find out if it's for you or not. You can have to hire one, or if you're going to use your dad's DSLR, or, you know, do you want a GoPro? You'll find out if it's good enough when you get to the edit. And then the next film, you can say, right, I don't want to use that. I'm going to use something else. And then you'll become more versed, and you'll know what your gear can do, you know. Mm -hmm. Things from a Blackmagic camera, which, which I own, you know, they are fantastic for indie filmmakers because the price of them for what you get out of them is amazing. But you've got to also offset that with that uh, these cameras, the cinema cameras, they need lights. So you have to know to an extent what the camera can do, and that's where the internet is brilliant. Mm -hmm. Go on there, 
watch camera views, you know, see what kind of picture quality you can get with different types of glass, you know, um, and then don't forget about the post-production because again, that's another, that's where your narrative is really driven. That's where you've set the pacing, the timing, and that's where you pull the story out. So it's such a wide kind of facet of, of skills. Um, and if anybody wants to get into it, it's, it's, there's no better time really. I mean, we just, there's a glut of technology. There's a glut of opportunities for people to see your stuff. You know, you don't have to go to Cannes to get your film seen. You can share it on, on any platform online and you can sell it as well through independent distribution. So just get your stuff out there. That's what I would say. Well, well done, <laughs> nicely said. And I think the, the brilliant idea was uh, basically to rent equipment and see what works with you because you can, it's a fair price, you can try whatever you like and see and um, sometimes you also do rent if you need something. 100% yeah, none of us all have like a, a, a rig of Ari lights or mirrors you know we, we buy that we you know we hire them in when we need them but you, you spec your project accordingly you know mm -hmm. and that's the beauty about hiring you know there's so much stuff that you can choose from and it's, it's relatively inexpensive you know if you think about budgets you know so what, what you can get for a couple of days is crazy technology it really is never has there been a better time to to try stuff out you know and it definitely is worth hiring stuff I remember one of the first times I got hold of a red. We were we were filming films on DSLRs, nice, lightweight, lovely depth of field with our with our with our glass. And we thought, right, we're going to make it short, and we're going to do it on a red MX1. So this was one of the first reds ever brought out, and they used it on the social network, um, and they used it on I think one of the early. Um, X-Men films mm -hmm. and it was me and the producer that were doing most of the work and when we got this camera we made a massive mistake because this thing was huge it was heavy and it needs a team of people right and although the cost of it was peanuts to hire <laughs> for the weekend and the image quality was amazing they sent us the same lenses they used on the the first alien film and we were just in our element but when we actually got in the field and started to roll on this camera, it was an absolute headache. And from that, that lesson was, we don't need to hire this camera again. We don't have to go down this route. So the red MX-1 was cut off our list and we were great to be using our DSLRs again for the next shoot. But that's part of it. As I was saying before, it's, it's a great way to, to sift out stuff you don't need. That was a brilliant story. <laughs> Honestly, there's one shot we didn't have a gimbal or a Steadicam, so it was, it was tracking this guy going through a graveyard. And the only way we could do it, because we didn't have a shoulder mount, was to pick the tripod up and hold it and physically walk with him. And we had no monitor either. It was only when we got back into post oh. that we could see that it was kind of off frame, but because it was a large sensor, we could crop in and, and steady the camera out. But it was a lot of stress that we didn't need and, and a lot of stress we didn't envisage. And, you know, you live and learn. You know, next time you either get someone that knows what they're doing with a red, MX1 and the SETI cam, or you you say all our shots are going to be on sticks. <laughs> We're not going to do any tracking shots on this camera. So yeah, good lesson to learn. Absolutely. If you want to make a film, you need some kind of money, funding. So what would you recommend or how do you find funding? Um, basically, do you use sites like Kickstarter or crowdfunding or 
um, do you just look for producers? So yeah, funding is such an important part of filmmaking um, and it's one of those things that people don't really appreciate and you've got to see filmmaking like a business. You have to, in your head, put your producer hat on and say this is a business and we have to see it like a business. And that's where the creatives kind of fall down in this respect because a lot of us have the great ideas, we've got this lovely screenplay, we're going to use this camera, I've blocked it through, and then someone says, right, actors fees. And people say, oh, the actors want paying? Well, of course they do. You want actors, they need to be paid. It's like, oh, okay, well, find the money for them. So cool, then we're going to get a guy to do the sound. Okay, so he needs paying. It's like, oh, right, so how much does he want? And then the bill starts to rack up pretty quick. Now, if you haven't got communal set of friends that will pitch in and help you out then you're going to have to pay for these people. The second route is to find other production companies with a bit more clout if you've got a good script and take it to them and say look I've got this script would you fancy uh, collaborating and some will and they'll do it on a point system. Um, it's always worth asking these companies. The worst they're going to say is no. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day anybody, the worst anybody is going to say is no. Um, and then Kickstarter is also a really good way to do it. It's really well known, people get it now, it's not a new subject. So the film that I'm working on at the moment, we're about to film the second half and we've just finished yesterday our Kickstarter campaign. We got about 90% of the money that we wanted on the second half, so um, it's good enough to go. So the bits we didn't get, we'll have to swallow the cost ourselves. So we'll do that in the post-production um, and in the marketing. So that means that all our actors will be paid, all the crew will be paid, um, which means that we're going to get the best resources possible for the shoot. Okay, so definitely things like uh, Greenlit is a good site for that, which is for films to put it on there. Um, and when you do Kickstarter campaigns, it's so important to get the marketing right. Mm -hmm. You know, take some time to really get the marketing right. Make really good quality trailers, videos. Get the producer, the director to really do lovely pieces of camera because this stuff costs nothing you know and people will buy into it if, if your marketing is good then subconsciously they feel better giving you their money you know even in the biggest hollywood films three quarters of the budget goes on the marketing you know millions are spent on on marketing hollywood films and a tiny percent goes on the actual production so never kind of shy away from seeing it as a business in terms of your product needs to be marketed to people. You need to sell it to them to invest. You know, set good perks. See what other filmmakers are doing that have got the money, how they, what perks they put out there. Um, and really push it with the same energy that you want them to have. You know, there's no point to chuck it out there and just hoping that everybody in the internet is going to see it and, and donate. You know, you've really got to drive it. Um, if you're passionate about it, other people will be passionate about it. Um, you really have to kind of take hold of it and um, and drive your, your Kickstarter campaign. It's hard work, it's not always a success, but it's, it's a one way of getting funded. Um, and then the other way, I guess, to generate money is, is through other means. So for example, doing other video work to pay for it. So a lot of our companies, myself included, we do a lot of commercial kind of film work, so for corporates, for advertisements, social media, and what we do is we work really hard, we build up a bank, so we take some money out so we can survive, we can eat, and then we cycle off a percentage and we put it in our film fund, because then we've got some money to play around with. 
So that's what we're doing at the moment for another film that we want to start. Um, we're going to go into pre-production in September with the look to start filming in the new year. And we're starting now to accrue the money from corporate jobs, put it into the bank and say, right, we're building up some funds now so that when we come to shoot, we've got enough finances to go for it. So there's a number of ways to, to get finance, but again, not to be overlooked. You know, you definitely want to pay your people because if you pay your people, you're going to get the best out of them. And if you can't pay them, um, treat them with respect, pay their expenses, make sure they have plenty to drink and plenty to eat on shoot days. You know, personally, if I believe in someone's project, I'll do it for um, lunch and expenses. I'll happily do it if I believe in it. Um, and I believe in the people that are doing it. You know, don't say to people, oh, don't worry, you'll get an IMDB credit or a bit of exposure because that's not the way to, to make friends. Um, it's a hard, it's, you'll, get, you'll get known for being someone that's just trying to use people for their time. So if you can pay them, you can't make sure they're well-fed and watered. A really efficient crew is one that is happy. And if you're like me, the route to happiness is food. <laughs> so yeah, keep them fed and watered on, on set is, is a good way to, to get crew for little money if you can. People are happy when they are fed. Well, so absolutely. when they're hungry, yeah, especially they're... filmmakers, you know, because we have a bad time as it is. <laughs> and it's a long day. Yeah, they can. Seriously, like the whole day you film, so it's um, absolutely a lot of food needed. Um, so tell me about that project, that uh, film that you're going to make. What is about, if you can say? Yeah, bit. so the, the one we're, we're halfway through at the moment, we did the first batch of filming in April and we filmed it in, in London. And it's a very kind of, it's quite a poignant subject, which London will be familiar with. It's about um, two mothers. It's a very short, small crew, but it's about one mother's child who was stabbed and killed, and the two mothers meet, and it's their interaction with each other over the scenario that brought them together. So, um, you know, London's unfortunately known for a bit of knife crime, so this is quite a hot and sensitive topic to deal with and the cast we've got are amazing. So this was written by um, our producer and writer, Louise Brecken Richards, who actually um, originally wrote it as a play. So it was, it was put on in London um, and it was really well received. So she decided that actually this warrants a bigger audience. So um, she set up the um, Kickstarter, got the first half filmed, and we're starting the second half of filming next week, which concludes it. Um, and that, has allowed us to get the finances you know so we've done it in two stages got the finances got the first half in the bag and now we're moving to the second half and yeah it's a real kind of it's a hard one to work on um the actors performances are quite you know they're quite draining on the act and on the actors you know that it's quite a hard topic to deal with and they really get into the role and you can really see them bringing it alive i mean i wasn't actually really that privy to the scripts um i was brought on um as dop and sound um, so I didn't see the script until a week before we started filming. I had a quick scan through just to look at the locations to see what we're working with. But I really didn't have um, the opportunity to read it. And it's only when we started to film it, it really hits, you know, when you're seeing it being played out and then when you watch it back on playback, it's really powerful. And it goes to show that you get, if you cast well, which again is 90% in my opinion of directing, you get the cast right that can really sell this story, you know, you don't have to worry about what glass you've got in front of your camera, you know, because the story's been told by great performances. Um, so 
as much as I'm really looking forward to it, I know that the second half is going to equally be tough mentally, you know, to deal with. But it's a great production. The crew are great. The actors are great. Um, really looking forward to seeing it on a, on a bigger screen. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it's going to do really well. You know, mm -hmm. festivals or, or whatever platform it gets released, um, it's going to be it's going to be great. Is it a feature or yeah. short? Yes, a feature length. Um, so it's you know it's, it's got more marketable components because generally distributors want a feature and for people wanting to make a film shorts are great cut your teeth on shorts definitely but making a feature is like earning your right of passage it's, it's a hard slog mentally and physically it will batter you but once you've done your first feature people will see you differently and mm -hmm. rightly or wrongly that's how the game works and people will trust you with money if you can show them that you can deliver a feature on little to no budget they'll be inclined to give you money to make another feature you know so if you can make a feature definitely do it you know and if you have to spread it out over a year two years um, there was one uh, production company a group of lads they did a, a lovely film called Cosmos on such a low budget it took them five years to do it but the production quality is fabulous. They filmed it on the original Black Magic Pocket, the tiny little one, yeah. in HD, and I think it was bought up by Netflix or one of the big VOD providers. And it looks it looks stunning. And you know, it's it's a testament to filmmakers that what you can do with little to no budget. They filmed most of it in their in their garage in the back of their car, um, and they did all the post production themselves. Um, so they did an amazing job on that. So yeah. Um, if you can do a feature, definitely, but shorts, cut your teeth on them, you know, because filming a short is really difficult, you know. A feature you've got 90 minutes plus to build that story out, a feature you've got 2 minutes, 5 minutes, 15, whatever, to tell a concise story. Get, you know, get the, um, the audience to feel for characters they've only just been introduced to and to empathise and kind of care about them and then finish it concisely, or not concisely, depending on your story. It's a real art. Um, so definitely, they both have merits. Um, so definitely, you know, see what one works for you. But if you can do a feature, there's more chance of selling it for sure. Amazing. Hey. Brilliant. Love it. Thank you welcome. so much. Ah, my pleasure. It's been great. Thank you so much. Wow. Thank you for listening. And I hope that you come back for the next episode.